Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Been a couple of weeks. Good to see you. This morning's reading from John is arguably one of my most favorite of all Scripture passages because it shares how you and I can participate in this epiphany season. In other words, it allows you and me to learn how to be an epiphany ourselves. Now, epiphany is simply a revelation, a presentation of that which was not seen before. And so we move from Christmas into this new season. Now, many people gravitate to their favorite scriptures, one of which, for a lot of folk, is uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And they take great comfort that the Lord is our shepherd. Others will mention 1 Corinthians 13, where we are told that the greatest of charismatic gifts are faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, most important gift is love itself. Still others will point to John 3.16, when Jesus patiently tells Pharisee Nicodemus that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have life eternal. Do you have a favorite scripture? Well, this morning's is mine. It's one of my favorites. Because it's one of those biblical texts that takes something which is perceived to be so hard, so difficult, and then it breaks straight, breaks it down, and makes it simple. It takes what is complex in our minds and makes it understandable. It takes a scary topic that puts fear in the hearts of parishioners everywhere. And it makes what I call this hard concept Crayola. In other words, it's so easy. It's like a child's ability to color with a crayon. I really do believe that if all members of the church could learn this, both in our church or any church for that matter, and I mean this not as a sense, in the sense of any hyperbole, but I really do mean this, that if we and the church could learn what this morning's text is about, it would literally change the world. I guarantee it. Let's see if you can pick up what I'm referring to. Turn in your scripture to John chapter 1, verses 35 to 40. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 40. Last week, Jesus was baptized and was presented. Well, we're picking up in John's version of this story with verse 35. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now the next day, John the Baptist again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, John exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. 
And when Jesus turned around and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, come and see. And they came and they saw where Jesus was staying, and they remained with him that day. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, one of the two who heard John speak and then followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translates the anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at Simon and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. So did you figure out what I was talking about? I'm talking about the instructions here in our text this morning about how to grow the church of Jesus Christ. It's an epiphany. It's an aha moment for us. Because right here in the very beginning of John's gospel, we are being taught how to do evangelism. Evangelism. Yes, you can learn to do evangelism. But the word evangelism causes one of several reactions in people, some of which is very visceral. First, it causes people to shrink with, ooh, gosh, not an evangelist. Someone who evangelizes another person, my goodness gracious, you know, those are usually accompanied with words of judgment and guilt. Are you saved? Really? Others hear the word evangelism and immediately think someone is trying to convert someone else into following Jesus. Someone is trying to beat someone into the kingdom of heaven. I can't convert someone to follow Jesus, we say, and, and I would say right back at you, you're absolutely right, you can't, neither can I. You see, the only one who can convert people is the Spirit of God. At least that's what it says in the Bible. Still, some hear the word evangelism and think it's someone else's job to do it. You know, it's the preacher's job. Oh, that's Pam's job. That's Patrick's job. That's Nick's job. Well, no, it's not. It's your job. You see, we are all called to do the work of evangelism. People will tell me, well, preacher, it's just too hard to evangelize people. And it's best to, be, it's best to leave it to you professionals. What? Sadly... There are a lot of preachers who don't know how to do evangelism, which I don't understand. Because it's spelled out pretty clear right here. You see, when we throw it on the professionals, it puts the pressure on your pastors. That we are responsible for whether or not the church grows. 
We are responsible for whether or not the people are in the pews. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that's crazy. It's not our problem. It is our mutual job to share the work, the good news of Jesus. We make evangelism so much harder than it really needs to be. I don't understand. It reminds me of an article entitled, How Building Ikea Furniture Nearly Destroyed My Marriage, (laughs) where author Steve Tate writes, do you ever wonder how strong your relationship is with your significant other, or how much that relationship can actually take? He says, there are many things that can apply extra tension to a marriage. Planning a family vacation, staying with the in-laws, talking about money. He goes on to say, I've been married 14 happy, wonderful years. And while my wife and I have had our fill of marital woes, ups and downs, nothing, he says, nothing, I mean nothing, quote unquote, put our relationship to the test, quite as much as building Ikea furniture together. Close quote. There are websites designed to tell you how to do the instructions for the instructions of Ikea furniture. It's 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 so complicated. And friends, that's what we've done. That's what the church has done to evangelism. We have made it like Ikea instructions. It's not that hard. We've complicated it. We've, We've painted it as something only certain people can do. And most of them in our minds who do evangelism are those religious zealots. But our text this morning, our text this morning helps demystify what evangelism is and helps define what it is and what it is not. Our text this morning, secondly, reminds Christians of the spirit or the attitude in which we are to share one's faith or practice evangelism. And third, our scripture tells us whom we are to evangelize. How does our text today define evangelism? How does our text today define evangelism? Well, we have a story where two of John the Baptist's disciples were standing there, and Jesus walks by, and the Baptist just points out, here is the Lamb of God. And Andrew and this unnamed disciple, which many presume to be John the Apostle, um, they start following Jesus. And Jesus, as they're walking along, since their presence, he stops and he turns around and he says to them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, did you notice what Jesus did not say? Jesus did not say, now if you died that day, would you go to heaven or hell? Jesus didn't say, go away, I don't have time for you. 
Jesus didn't say, are you saved? Are you bathed in the blood? Jesus didn't launch in and tell him what to believe or how to believe or how he was to live his life. No. No. Jesus asked a simple question. Jesus asked a question, and by doing so, is simply inviting others into relationship. Jesus didn't declare what Andrew needed to do or believe in order to follow. Jesus asks Andrew, his companion, an honest, open-ended, existential question as to their need. What, beloved, are you looking for? It was a question designed for Andrew and presumably John to answer honestly for themselves. Jesus genuinely wanted to know what Andrew and his companion were looking for. And then he asked them a question to establish and further engage relationship. Beloved, evangelism is about relationship. It's not about conversion. It's about establishing relationship. It's not about adding numbers to the church role. It's about building Relationships. Period. That's it. We also learn from our text about the type of relationship that's involved or attitude that's involved in doing evangelism. Um, You know, I love in our story, Jesus enters into the relationship with Andrew and the other disciple without any expressed agenda. Did you notice that? No agenda whatsoever. Jesus established the conversation and took Andrew and the other disciple where they were. Not where Jesus wanted them to be or where we think others need to be. Jesus met them where they were. He took them as they were, and he let the relationship build on its own naturally. His attitude was simple. It was humble. It was non-judgmental. Jesus' attitude was, I'm going to love these guys where they are. Period. And then as the relationship grows, that re- they will grow in their understanding of who I am and who they will become. Just let Andrew and John dictate where this new relationship is going to go. Jesus did not impose rules on that relationship. He didn't say, if you're going to follow me, then you must or you must not. Jesus simply opens the doors 
And he does that by establishing relationship with them. And then he lets them determine where it goes from there. He respects them enough to let them guide the relationship to where they wanted it to go. There was no agenda he was pushing on them. Lastly, our text today reminds us where to begin our evangelistic work. Our evangelistic work, brothers and sisters, begins with people we already know and have relationship with. Did you notice that? It's not that we got to go to the street corner of Andrews and, and Los Olas and start shouting at people, asking them, hey, stranger, do you know Jesus? No. Our text today is showing us that it begins with people we already have relationship with, connection with. Just look at Andrew. Andrew hung out with Jesus that afternoon, and at 4 o'clock, what did he do? He went home, and he went to see his brother Simon. And he said, Simon, let me tell you, let me tell you about what I happened to me today. Let me tell you what I experienced today, Simon. And he went home to his brother Simon, someone whom he already had a relationship with, by the way, so there was already this element of trust developed, relationship, rapport. He didn't tell Simon you had to believe this. He didn't tell Simon you have to do that. He just said, Simon, let me share with you what I experienced. Period. Simon, we get this notion of, huh? So Andrew takes Simon to see Jesus. And all Andrew did is say, you know, Jesus, this is my brother Simon. <laughs> Good luck. And Simon, this is the guy I was telling you about, Jesus. Talk amongst yourselves. And then Andrew backs off. All Andrew did was to make an introduction. And then he backed off. He let Simon and Jesus develop their own relationship so they could see where it would go themselves. Beloved, we have made evangelism so much more difficult and complicated than it needs to be. Why? Evangelism is simply creating and establishing deeper relationships with people we already know and then share with them with what Jesus has done for you. Not what Jesus is going to do for them, for them, about them. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do about them. It has to do with you, me. All we do is share with what Jesus has done in my life. That's it. Nothing more. Back off. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best. Now before we finish, I want to lift up a tool from our scripture this morning. 
for you to take this week, and I want you to use it in your first evangelistic endeavor, perhaps. All of you. Even you, choir. All of you. I want you to take this tool from Scripture and use it. Now, did you, did you notice in our story Andrew's odd answer to Jesus? When Jesus says, what, do you want, what are you looking for? Did you notice Andrew's answer? Then Andrew, did Andrew ask, answer Jesus by asking, you know, Jesus, Messiah, what is the meaning of life? He didn't ask Jesus, how many angels can really dance on the head of a pen? He didn't ask Jesus who he thought was going to go to hell. He didn't ask Jesus about what this being Messiah was all about. No. Andrew was invited into a relationship with Jesus and is invited to ask Jesus anything he wants. And what profound question does Andrew ask him? Where are you staying? Where are you staying? In other words, what hotel you checked into, Jesus? He could ask Jesus anything in the world, and he asks him, where are you staying? And what a profound question he asks. The Almighty One who is, who was, and who is yet to come. Today we might say, well, you know, Jesus, what hotel are you in? And we might think that's a silly question to ask Jesus. You know, why, Andrew, you had your shot. You have a missed opportunity. You got the ball pitched right down the middle of the plate. Here comes a home run. Boom. You swing, you miss, and you ask him where you're staying, where you checked in. But the deal is this. Jesus took Andrew's question seriously. We may think it be an odd question. But Jesus didn't. Jesus took Andrew's questions seriously. He took Andrew where he was. He didn't make fun of the question. He didn't question the question. Jesus simply let the question sit there and said, come and see. Come and see. Beloved, this week, you're going to pull that tool out of your toolbox. You can do this with, with a waiter or a waitress that you go to a restaurant you frequent to. Or you can do it with a coworker. You can do it with a neighbor. But I want you to take this tool, and the tool is simply this. You're going to take what you've learned this morning about evangelism and put it into work out there. It's time that you share your story. I want you to find somebody that you may already have a loose relationship, and I want you to ask them just this one question. This is, this is your homework. This is it. This is how you're going to be an evangelist. You're going to ask them, Lou, if you had the chance to meet Jesus face to face, what would you ask him? Period. That's it. You had the chance to meet Jesus. What would you ask him? 
You could ask him anything in the world. What, what's the one question you would ask Jesus? And then back off. Back off. Let the question marinate with them. Just be quiet. And watch the Spirit pick up the conversation and run with it to where the Spirit wants it to go. Because you're going to learn something at that point. You're going to learn a very profound yet simple spiritual truth. You're going to learn that people love to talk about spiritual questions. Even agnostics. Tell me what you think about Jesus. They have an opinion. And they'll tell you. It's okay. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. But establishing relationship and asking a simple question. If you could ask Jesus one thing, what would it be? Because people love to talk about spiritual things when it has to do with themselves. Trust me. Watch it work. It's fun. That all of God's people say it. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of fire, as we come this day, you give us such a beautiful story. And Lord, we think we have to go pretty it up and adorn it and make all this fancy stuff and programs and ministries and this, that, and the other. And Lord, all you ask us to do is just start a relationship with somebody. Just ask them, do you think of spiritual things? And let the Holy Spirit run with it. Oh Lord, identify that individual for each of us this week. And then show up and awe us with what happens next. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand and let's sing our closing hymn.